Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Thrive Church this morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. You can mind it quiet. Um, hopefully you got enough coffee in you. Uh, good to have you here. If you're a first-time guest with us, I'm Kevin, the lead pastor. Uh, thank you for choosing to worship with us today. There's hundreds of churches you could have visited and you came here. Thank you so much for doing that. If you will, take your guest card and turn it into the blue basket over at Thrive Central over there. We'd love to stay in touch with you. Um, a couple cool things going on. Uh, number one is my new book is going to be out in March. This is the only copy I have, so it's not for sale. Um, this is the one that I had to go through and, and check out and everything, um, but it's on pre-order at Amazon. I put some links on Facebook. You'll get some email links this week that Pastor Keith has sent out to you um, where you can order this. This book here is for believers, for Christians that want to find out their personal mission on planet Earth. You know, God, what have you called me to? And the big picture of this is this right here, is that we are uh, heaven's representatives on Earth. When you go to your job, you're to go there and spread heaven to them. Don't give them H-E-L-L. Give them H. G-A-V-E-N. All right? And that's what you are. You have God's presence in you, the Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, you're meant to do that. So it teaches you um, how to do that. Um, some of the things on journaling I've been teaching. There's practical applications in there. So I'm very excited about this book, Infuse, Activating Heaven on Earth. Been working on it for four years and just felt released last year to finally publish it. And God totally provided everything that I needed. The exact, I'm telling you, the exact amount I needed for the book, God provided to the penny. Um, he's that good. Amen? So make sure you check that out. We'll have books here um, March, I think, 15th. I think we'll have books. Uh, March 16th, we'll have books here. And I am doing my first book signing in Virginia Beach at Ministry Summit, Activate Ministry Summit. Um, all that is in your um, email, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, last week, I mentioned to you our 90-day tithe challenge. If you've never trusted God in your finances, if, you've, um, if you're just what I call a tipper, and you're like, well, you know, I trust God with everything else but finances, I want to encourage you the next 90 days to sign up for our tithe challenge. Just say, I'm going to trust God with my finances. I believe God's word and God's word is true. Um, this week, uh, I, had, I, I don't have time to give you all the stuff, but man, as, as I taught that last week, we had miracles happen in our life, my wife and I. We don't have them happen every day. I can't write a book on miracles. But extreme miracles happen in our life and I believe it's a result because we have trusted God with our finances. He can do more with 90 than I can do with 100. And so if you've never done that, take this tithe challenge. We're going to send you letters of encouragement. We're going to send you videos to help you understand um, the teachings of the Bible on this stuff here. And it is a blessing. Um, if you want to get with an old saint who's doing a lot for the Lord and you want to ask them what's one of the major principles they've applied, they will tell you that I, God gets the first and God gets the best off the top of my finances. And um, so I'm just giving you their example from that there. And so anyway, if you weren't here last week, listen to that. Sign up. There's uh, cards in the back. You can do it online and you can join in with our 90 day tithe challenge. Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to James 1.13. James 1.13 is as Pastor Craig Rochelle said from LifeChurch.tv in Oklahoma on the video you saw is that we're today looking at moral margin. Moral margin. James 1.13. Do you know someone or have been acquainted with someone who's destroyed their life with sexual sin? 
I mean, we've all seen that. I even had, and I don't know all the details, but the pastor of the largest church in the world, uh, David Youngie Cho, um, was just um, some serious stuff come out, which he'll probably be removed from his church. I don't know the details. All I know is from pretty serious stuff with integrity. We've all been affected by it somehow. We've seen the story. We've read the, ad, the, the article. Um, we have seen it somehow. I experienced it as a young believer. Um, in 2000, I remember that we had a, a, a man teaching our youth discipleship class on Wednesdays. And he actually personally discipled me. Meaning that on Tuesdays, I would go and sit with him and he would share with me how to fast and pray, how to study Proverbs, the 31 Proverbs thing. Yeah, he taught me that. Um, and he would personally disciple me. And I remember seeing um, that he kind of slacked off from church a little bit. There was Wednesdays he didn't show up. And, you know, you kind of like, you know, I was only 19, 20, so I didn't pay a lot of attention. But I realized we're always getting this other substitute teacher to come in on Wednesdays to teach our youth class. What's going on here? Um, and he kept kind of slacking off from church. I've, I've always told you that people will, will, when they leave Christ, they also leave the church. Um, and then it happened in February of 2000. I'm trying to get my dates right here. We had a period conference at or from Valentine's Day for all of our students. So this lady comes in who's like 45 and you know, virgin pure her whole life and waiting on the right man for God. She teaches on it. Huge to do. I mean we had hundreds of students from all these different churches come. It was a big thing. I'll never forget it. It's like it was yesterday. And um, a couple months later you know the guy was still slacking off from church. He was married to our world intercessor prayer leader. She's an awesome woman of God and he started teaching on great white throne judgment every time he taught. That's one of the things, somebody starts teaching the same scripture every week, you know, it's like you tell that this guy wasn't preparing. It was like, I knew so much about the great white throne judgment, I mean, I knew more about that than Jesus. And finally, one day I was sitting at Andy's Cheeseburgers uh, there in Clinton, North Carolina, which is a terrific place to eat. God bless those cheeseburgers there. They're heavenly, no calories. And I was sitting there and, and one of my friends uh, walks up, Chris, he says, hey man, did you hear about blank, I'm not going to give you the name. I said, no, what happened? He said, well, you remember the purity girl? Well, he was having an affair with her, and he's left his wife, and he's, he's now run off with her to, um, you know, somewhere in North Carolina. And man, it just, you know, it's like a, I was eating a hamburger by myself, chilling. It was like a shot in my heart. First time I'd ever been affected by that. It was somebody who personally discipled me, personally poured into me, um, and it hit home. It hit so close to home. You know, it never hits home till it hits your home, I've been told. And that was one of the first times it really um, broke my heart. Now, let me say this. God, if, if you've been involved in that or somebody has, God can restore if you go through the process. God gives grace to heal. He forgives. Amen? Um, now, this time, that guy is serving God again. He's still with that lady. And the other lady is married. I'm serving in church today. Not saying that was God's intentional will at all. But God did restore and help. But it really hurt me. And it shook me to see somebody who was discipling me personally teaching me the things of God to fall like that. Many of us have been affected by sexual immorality or by um, a lack of integrity somewhere along the line. And sad to say, and I apologize on behalf of all churches, that it happens in churches so much. Um, that's why I keep a very close wrap on how we do things here at Thrive. And um, I'll go more into that a little later, but we want to make sure that we operate in integrity. Let's look at James 1.13. And James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. 
So God doesn't put the candy bar or, you know, the strip club in your path. He doesn't do that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one, say that's me. That was terrible. Say that's me. (laughs) There you go. Each one, me and you, is tempted when by his own evil desire. Now we're in this movement in the church where people say, no, there's nothing bad in you. You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're like, yeah, every decision I make is good and it's all God's will. We have evil desires, believers, called the flesh. Okay, you have a sinful nature. And so look what James says about that. And this isn't, you know, a blog. This is actually the Bible. So by his own evil desire, that's you and I in the flesh, he is dragged away and enticed. I'll talk about that a little later. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let's pray. God, this morning we thank you for an an awesome opportunity to worship you. We thank you for your presence that is here with us. We thank you, Lord, um, to gather with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ and lift up the name of Jesus. Now we open our minds, we open our hearts to you to listen intently, to to receive the word of God that is able to save our souls. And we pray for transformation to occur in our hearts. And it's in the great name of Jesus that we pray and everyone said, Amen. See, see, no one sets out for this to happen, right? Like, no one wakes up one day like, I think I'm going to rob a bank, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine Will. Will's a stand-up guy, led some songs for us. I couldn't imagine Will just waking up and saying, I think I'm going to rob a bank and just ruin my life. I'm going to leave my wife and child, you know, no father or husband. I just really want to do that today. Um, no one wakes up and says, I'm going to destroy my life and somebody else's with adultery. I cannot wait. It's going to be great today. Nobody does that. But yet it happens, right? This is true stories. This is real life. And it goes on. I didn't see anybody on Facebook this year. You know the one word thing? My one word for this year is this, which is awesome. Nobody said my one word this year is adultery. Nobody said my one word word this year is pornography. Nobody said my one word this year is death, destruction. We don't plan to do this, but yet it happens uh, because we don't have moral margin. Now, a working definition of moral margin is this. It's putting distance between you and temptation. Putting distance between you and temptation. Let's look at James 1.13 again. I want to break this down. It's a, it's a good verse to help us with moral margin. And you guys have got to bear with me. This is, we're going into Elijah in March. Elijah, which is about faith. And it's really good. Um, good abstract stuff. Today, you've got to bear with me. Smile at me because this is not the easiest message. But I believe it's helpful. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, God will test you with a trial. But he doesn't tempt you with sin. Did you get that? But each one is tempted when, watch this, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. That word enticed there gives you the picture of a fisherman. Anybody fishing here? Any fishermen? Only a few? That's, okay. A lot, there's somebody who, the ones who are fish are really excited about it. Um, but it's like baiting the hook. And you find the right bait. 
to get the fish. It's all about the bait, right? That's the key when fishing. Find the right location and right bait. And so when the enemy wants to trap someone, he'll put the right bait on and he sends it out. And the whole goal is to drag you away and to entice you, to hook you in that. And that's what happens with us when it comes to sin. We are enticed. We are uh, lured by something that looks so beautiful and so tempting to us and we go after it. It's like those cookies in my refrigerator that I have to keep saying no to. I don't know about y'all, but cookies are, are tough on me because I got to work out extra hard to burn those bad boys off. Has anybody realized it's much easier to consume calories than it is to burn them off? Okay, just I don't know if it's just me, but it's just hard. <laughs> to entice you, um, get back. I love I love cookies. Um, yeah, get back to the task at hand here. <laughs> When I was a youth pastor, and I youth pastored for several years, there was, and you dealt with singles in youth ministry, the question was, how um, close can I get to the line without going over? How far is too far, Pastor Kevin? And we would break up the guys and the girls, and we'd have real talk with them. So, all right, guys, we'd get them in a room alone, and we would talk about guy stuff that I wouldn't even talk to you about from this pulpit. If we wanted our, our young men to be pure. And this question would always come up was, how close can I get without going over, or how close can I get to this thing without it really hurting me? I mean, I want you to think about this. Only in the area of sin and lustful pleasure do we have this thinking. None of you are going home today and saying, hey man, for fun, I know it's a beautiful day, it's going to be 70 degrees, but I think I'm also going to put three bullets in and, just, and just, just shoot and just see what happens, man. But we do that. You think that's crazy. But we do that when we flirt with temptation, when we look at lustful pleasures, we do that. Um, none of you today are going to uh, go to the local zoo and stick your head in the mouth of a lion and wonder if he might bite. <laughs> that's how sin is. Don't you realize something? It's like that, that guy that's taming lions, which I think is the stupidest thing ever. I would never do that job. And you've seen that lions are buddy. They grow up from, from birth. They're rubbing the pet lion. They give it a name, George. I mean, they're just loving the lion. And then one day you read on the, on, on, on the news that the lion destroyed this person. It was never his friend. He thought he had that thing managed. That's what sin is. You think you have it managed. Well, I can control this addiction. Don't you talk to me about my addiction. It's mine. And I'm going to control it. And then you wake up one day and your life's destroyed. Um, we have uh, one of our guys here, Mark Thomas, who works with people who are on the other end of this, this sermon. That didn't listen to this sermon. And they're trying to get their lives back together with addiction recovery. And that's what happens is when you're drawn away and you are enticed. No one goes to the Blue Ridge Parkway and Skyline Drive and says, How close can I get to the edge? If you have a wife, she will punch you in the head if you do that. I promise you. But none of us do that. None of us do that. But we do it when it comes to the area of sin and lustful pleasure. Especially the area of sexual immorality, which I'm going to speak on specifically today. And I know churches don't talk about this anymore. I mean, churches almost don't, don't mention the word sin. <laughs> They don't anymore, but I love you enough to, to share this with you um, because this has helped my life out and I want to help you. Paul writes to, first Corinth, uh, to the Corinthian, uh, church in Corinth, the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 18, here's what he writes to them. I want you to listen to this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. 
flee from sexual immorality. All other sins, now listen carefully, a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You hearing this? Do you not know, because you may not know, and Paul's saying this too, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you've received from God. Now, legalistic churches have used for years, well, don't do this because your body's the temple. Don't do that. Paul's saying the key is watch out for sexual immorality. You are the temple of God. That's powerful when you realize that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And watch this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Paul, Paul says first, flee from sexual immorality. That word in the Greek is the Greek word fugo. Say fugo. You got to do your hand like that and say fugo. Because that's fugo. That word in the Greek, if I could like describe it best, would probably be um, in the Greek dictionary described as run, Forrest, run. <laughs> so when you think of fugo or flee, you must run, Forrest, run. Um, it means to leave, to escape, to evacuate the premises, and it means to flee. See, a wise person doesn't ask this. They don't say, how close can I get? to sexual temptation. But a wise person says this, how can I stay far away from sexual temptation? That's what a wise person asks. You know, um, a person who doesn't really know Jesus but thinks they do, sometimes they can be fooled in church because they like songs and, and they, they like the preacher or think they really know Jesus. Um, a, a religious person, that's those who just come to church, do stuff and go home, no, no, no real relationship, they will always ask, how close to the line can I get? Or somebody who really loves Jesus will ask, how close to Jesus can I really get? That's the difference. If you're always asking, what, where is it when they actually say I'm drunk? Because I want to I, I get right that line and just, and just enjoy it, ride it, you know? Tiptoe it. If, if four margaritas is drunk, I'm going to drink three and three quarters so I can be on that line. I'm, I'm being real. But if you, when you really love Jesus, you're like, you know what? I want to see how close to Jesus can I get. Because I really love Jesus and I want to honor Jesus and he is my Lord. See, Paul here, and, and this, this passage is amazing, he, he gives you sexual sin as one of the greatest sins there is. All sins are the same. You can't judge me. Paul here, and see again, Christians say really dumb stuff that's not biblical, but they heard on some TV show. Um, Paul here breaks down sexual sin as something that's different than all other sins. That, that, that is something that's more devastating than anything else. Do you understand that with sexual sin, not only do you harm your own body, but you're destroying somebody else's too. I mean, you can destroy a marriage, you can destroy a family, you can destroy those kids. You got to think about that. I said this in the Samson series, lust makes you lose all logic. Boy done lost his mind. Remember Samson? Had everything from God and gave it all up. Lust made him lose all logic. And Paul here breaks down sexual sin and says, you know what? All sin is not exactly the same. Speeding is bad. Don't do it. It's sin. And then you got to go to court too. It's not good. Gossip. Talking about others. Those things. Yeah, it's, it's in the Bible sin. But sexual sin is something on another level, Paul says, that can ruin and ravage and destroy families and even your health. Now, look at verse 19. He says, Do you not know 
that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. See, when you accept Jesus Christ at that moment, if you raised your hand here at Thrive and you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you at that moment. God takes residence in your heart. That's powerful. So understand that you um, have the Holy Spirit in you, who you received from God. Now watch this. Verse 19. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, your body's not your body. Your body is the Lord Jesus' body. You can't say, well, it's my body. I do what I want to. I'm going to seek happiness. Well, then you're not a Christ follower. You may come to church, but you don't, you don't know Jesus. Because when you surrender to Jesus, he owns your body. He tells you what to do. You're not a slave to sin anymore, but you're a slave, the Bible says, to righteousness. That means you've got to do what righteousness says. and You've got to act how righteousness says act. You are a slave to it. You're controlled by it. Yes, your owner and a true Christ follower is not perfect, but they say, Lord, I know you own this body. I know you bought it with your precious blood, and I want this body and this life to honor you in everything that I do. That's the true prayer of a Christ follower. And that's what Paul is trying to paint the picture to the Corinthian church. They were the most charismatic church in the New Testament. They had all the gifts operating, all the shebang. They worshiped for three or four hours. I mean, it was, that, it was the charismatic first church of the River Fellowship. But they were living like the devil outside of church. They could put a good show on in church. They could two-step in church. They could look real good in church. But once they got out into the world, they weren't living for Jesus. And he was trying to say, this is what it looks like to live for him. See, sexual sin doesn't make you happy. But do what makes you happy. If you want to be with that person or that this person or somebody of the same sex, if it makes you happy, go do it. That's not what the Bible teaches. I don't care what government tells me and what TV shows tell me. Do you know it leaves you more empty, wanting more? I remember before I got saved that I was taught that drinking and partying and all this stuff would make you so happy. And I'll never forget the day when I was, and we partied all night. Went to bed about 6 in the morning. The next day I'm walking with my friends to eat lunch at East Carolina University. And in my heart I said, this doesn't make me happy. How many more times I got to do this for I actually feel happy? And that's what sin does, especially the area of sexual sin. It leaves you empty. Here's what Paul says to the Ephesians um, in Ephesians 5.3 about sexual immorality. Watch this here. He says, but among you, say that's me, because he's talking to Christians at, at, at Ephesus. Among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. A hint. That word hint there is the same uh, type of typology that Jesus used when he talks about the word speck. The word speck, it's a small dust or particle. There shouldn't be a hint among the church of this stuff. If you say, I follow Jesus, there shouldn't be a hint. And the word there used as sexual immorality is the word pornea in the Greek, which is the word you get pornography. There shouldn't even be a hint. And here's what it means. That word, it means uh, here, arousal, arousal outside the covenant of marriage. Arousal outside the covenant of marriage. That's what Paul was trying to get over to the Ephesians church and let them know that there. I've heard people say, I can do everything but. Some of y'all singles in here, don't, 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 don't be looking at your Bible. You ain't read it all week, don't start reading it now. <laughs> 
I can do everything but. I can play naked twister. I can do tonsil hockey. I can do everything but. There's people who read magazines and, and it's like five ways to drive your boyfriend crazy. The way, girls, you drive your boyfriend crazy, it says you and I will remain pure till marriage. And I hope that drives you crazy because I'm going to honor God. That's how you should drive him crazy. Um, check out five ways from the Bible, not, not five ways from one of those magazines. See, the key is when you're looking at this stuff, how far can I go? How close can I get? You've got to use the right lines. And we've been using the wrong lines for so long. Uh, for instance, like I, I go and play basketball at an elementary school on Fridays with a, with a group of guys. And when I first got there, the gym's small. Elementary school gyms, this one is really small. And, um, which is better for running, right? <laughs> um, but they have lines in there. And I was, when I first got there, I didn't know the rules. So I was using the lines that they had in there. So, I mean, I was like trying to, you know, I was like squeezing in and make sure I didn't touch the line. And, and finally I stopped and said, hey man, do you know the rules and what lines we use here? I was like, nah, I really don't understand the, what, what, what do you guys use. He says, actually, the sides are out of bounds. So you can actually touch the wall, and that's when you're out. It's not this line here. I was like, man, I was playing by the wrong line the whole time, you know? And it inhibited what I could really do um, on the court. See, when you play by the wrong line, and you're using the world's line and the world's pattern, not God's, it inhibits what God can do through you. You've got to use the right line and the right out-of-bounds areas that God wants you to use in your life so he can use you in a major way. Let me ask you this. Is it wrong to flirt with someone other than my spouse? Somebody say hint. That was bad. Um, I'll give you another chance. Is it wrong to flirt with someone other than my spouse through text messages? Say hint. Is it wrong to enjoy spending time with someone of the opposite sex that is not my spouse? Somebody say, you guys are getting it. Then people say this that's contrary to the Bible. They say, you have to be true to your heart. No, you don't. Jiminy Cricket is not in the Bible. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not true to your heart, you're true to the Word of God. And you're true to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You cannot follow your heart because the Bible does say our heart is desperately wicked. And your heart will lead you down paths that the Bible and that God never intended for your life. And today what I want to do is show you how do I create this moral margin? How do I put distance between me and sin? And I'm going to give you some real practical application points here. Again, let me just, let me just, just submit this to you. David Youngie Cho of the largest church in the world did not fall because he couldn't figure out who the Antichrist was in Revelation. He didn't fall because he didn't know who all the dragons were. And he was just searching scriptures and he went crazy and went and had an affair. He didn't do that. But there was principles violated, I'm going to share with you today, that are very helpful. And you may say, you know what? I am good to go. This would never happen to me. Do you understand that's where it all happens? When you say it can never happen to me. You need to be so scared and say, you know what? I will put every guardrail I can up because I never want this to happen. And I want to give you a game plan, God's game plan, to how to flee. How do we fugo? Um, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Draw the right line. And then look at Proverbs 6.27 before we get to the points here. Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom or his chest and his clothes not be burned? That means if you're saying, I don't believe in these lines and this is stupid, 
Can I light a stick on fire and stick it to your shirt or to your chest? Is that cool? Can I do that? Nobody would agree to that in here. If so, we can help you with the right psychiatric counseling that you need. But again, we do that with sin. Because it, in spiritual terms, we don't believe it. And then, then look what the writer of Proverbs says. He says, can one walk on hot coals, not run across, and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. I want to just break down for you today in your talk notes. You've got several notes there. I'm going to give you some very practical things that can help you in your life, whether you're married or you're single, that you need to abide by um, to help you out. The first thing is this, men and women, dress for spiritual success. Don't try to draw attention to your body. All right? Um, dress modestly. Women, if you're always wondering why you attract jerks, stop doing selfies like this and selfies like this in the pictures. Always wondering why you can't get the right guy. Well, he's attracted to that type of stuff. You need to put selfies of you reading the Bible. Be like, this is who I am. If you want it, this is what I do. Take a selfie with that. Show some cleavage from the Bible. Open it up and show it. Dress to honor God and live in excellence, not to entice other people. If your dress is made to entice and pull them to you and draw attention to you, it's wrong. And some of you are like, man, we need to have our kids listen to this and it will be recorded. You can have them listen to this. And men, just stop wearing so much makeup. I mean, come on. I mean, really. No, I, I'm, I'm joking here. Remember, you got a fugo. You got a flea. Fugo. Fugo. Say with me. Fugo. Singles. Here's your, here's your point. Because married people need to take, take the first point. Going out to the office and, and, and you dressing, you know, like you dressing. And, uh, anyway, let me. Okay. <laughs> Keep four feet on the floor, singles. Four feet on the floor. Don't hang out in the bed lying around trying to do a Bible study. <laughs> Here's what I mean by four feet. Now, some of you have to, I'm short, you have to look. When you are sitting together, and I'm serious, use this, singles. Make this one of your commandments. Four feet on the floor, four feet on the floor. You will not have the stork visit you in nine months if your four feet both stay on the floor beside each other. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. Keep four feet on the floor at all times. Again, don't lay on, lay on the bed trying to do a Bible study. Do it at the kitchen table. Um, set the boundary. Flee. Don't flirt. Flee from sin. Don't flirt with it. Here's the next one. No sleepovers or playing house. Now answer me because I, I know our society says you got to test drive it, baby. But the society, society doesn't tell you that 80% of those who test drive it don't stay together. So the moment you do that, you're saying I really don't want to be with this person. I don't value them and I don't love them. Realize that. It will come back to bite you. So answer me this with sleepovers and playing house. Can a man put coals of fire on his lap and not be burned? The answer is no. No. Um, you have your own bed. Go to your own bed. They'll be just fine. And what I've realized, let me just get real for a second. What I've realized is some people are so scared of being alone, they compromise. They compromise. Because they don't want to be alone. So they're like, well, I'll just stay in the same bed. I don't want to do that. That's insecurity. And if you go into a relationship like that, scared you're going to lose them if you don't stay over the night, then eventually you'll destroy that relationship with the same insecurity. So you've got to find your security in God. Find your worth, women, in God. 
look in the mirror and say, I, I, God created me specially. He's created me beautifully. And I'm not going to sell myself short. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to be uh, with honor and integrity. And men, you need to honor. I mean, men, think about this. That girl is God's daughter. So when, when you go in prayer, ask God, it's okay if I do this with your daughter. And I think God would have a different answer with that. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you're asked to purchase a house up front and then pay payments on it. But you could also lose it at any time. Nobody would do that in the real world. But we do it in relationships all the time. But again, humans, logical and smart, they do what? Dumb things. Say, fugo. Flee. Don't flirt. Here's the next thing. And and y'all, listen, if you're first visited Thrive, we are real here. No tonsil hockey. No tonsil hockey. I'm being real. See, we, we have teenagers in, this, in, this, in these worship experiences um, here, and they need to hear this as well. Um, you know what I'm saying. This is not a thus saith the Lord, but this is Kevin suggesteth. Make margin in your life. Keep distance between you and temptation. And be careful. Do not arouse desire before its time, which is marriage. The Bible commands us that in the Song of Solomon. Don't arouse that until it's time for marriage. I mean, what, and here's what happens. Some of you are like, oh man, this is judgmental. Oh, they're trying to weigh me down. What happens is this. And some of you can say amen to me and look at me and they're, yeah, that's right. You give your heart to 20 guys or maybe it's 20 girls, whatever. You give your heart to them and you get in your marriage and you're wondering why you're always not trusting your spouse. Because that person at 22 years old that you played sleepovers with and you played tonsil hockey with still has your heart and they hurt you. And now your current spouse is getting punished for it. You're still, some of y'all are punishing your spouse for a relationship you had 20 years ago. Well, I don't trust you. Has he ever done anything wrong? No, but, but that person 15 years ago, that's your fault. You gave your heart to him when you weren't supposed to. And you've got to learn to say, I'm going to draw boundaries and, and keep myself pure because I want my relationship and my wife to uh, have a great relationship. That's what my wife and I did. You know, I mean, we had mistakes along the way. Yes, we did. But I'm going to tell you something. I saved myself for her. For her. And our relationship today, I don't have any 15-year-old. And that's why, let me say this, parents. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is Kevin's suggestive. You're letting your kids date at 15? When they can't control the emotion of love? He can't buy her a hamburger. He don't love her. (laughs) But watch this. And then the girl wants to go and commit suicide because she's so depressed. I don't know why. Because you you let her give her heart to a 15-year-old boy who has no clue how to do it, how to to, to love someone. (laughs) Parents, be careful with that. Be careful with that. Well, I let them do what they want to do. And that's why they're in the shape that they're in. I've dealt with that this week and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Yeah, and, and trace back, a girl I know tried to commit suicide. We trace it back she just broke up with her boyfriend. If you let them date, say, honey, let me tell you something. 99% chance you won't be together in a year. 100% chance you won't be together in three years. Don't take it so seriously. And fathers, if you give your daughter the love that they need and deserve and you date them, you want to worry about some boy coming along the way and always trying to steal their heart when they can't even buy them a hamburger. So, um, is that okay? Y'all still love me. Fugo. Here's the next one. Avoid dangerous places, which is either bars or clubs. I mean, you know where it's at. Don't go to the club looking for someone. 
Nobody who's going to come to church and want to serve God is hanging out in the club, sipping on a martini, wanting to bump and grind with you. I'm being real. I just can't find a good guy. If you go to the catfish hole, you're going to get catfish. Don't be surprised with that. Good gracious. Avoid those places. Is it extreme? I, I, I told one guy this and he did it and he's still married today. I was working with recovering addicts. And they're like, man, I just want to, you know, I want to find the right relationship, blah, blah. So where are you looking? I'm looking at other, you know, these Alcoholics Anonymous. We're trying to find love and that's, don't, 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 don't look there. They've got addictions too, man. You just, don't work. I said, go to prayer meetings. <laughs> Be faithful and go to prayer meetings and you'll find an awesome woman if you go to prayer meetings. You know what? This morning God did it. He prayed. He went there. He went to prayer meetings. I'll tell you what. Um, they're, they're leaders in my church in Florida. <laughs> He's married to an awesome woman of God. He's been clean now for two years. Um, he looked at the right place and stopped looking at all the wrong places. Here's the next thing you need to do. Uh, to fugo, to flee. Monitor, monitor your internet activity. Realize this. I mean, we got now you're one click away from stuff that you should not be seeing on your internet or even your phone and your children are too. You've got to guard yourself. When I was a kid, you had to work real hard to find this stuff. Now it's available out there for everyone. Monitor it. Uh, Make sure you have programs to help you, have people to help you with that. Here's the next one. Avoid time alone with the wrong people. Avoid time alone with the wrong people. Say Fugo. I call it the Billy Billy Graham principle. And you're going to think this is kind of stupid. You'll say, oh man, he's over the edge. He's crazy. Billy Graham would not get in an elevator alone with a woman. Billy Graham would not ride in a car alone with a woman. Now you can say, that's dumb. I think that's stupid. Well, Billy Graham, he'll be finishing soon. He's up there in age. Um, has lived a life of integrity and his wife never had to worry about unfaithfulness. And husbands, the greatest gift you can give your wife is the gift of security. That she knows you'll go above and beyond. The, the, the task at hand, that she has access to your text, access to your emails, access to your Facebook, access to all of that. At any moment, she has the ability to check it and look at it. Don't have time alone with the wrong people. Um, I don't even counsel women alone here at this church. I don't even want to counsel women because I'm not a woman. Sometimes you see me up here and you think, oh, he's just so sweet and I just want to sit and tell my problems to him. No, you don't because I'm, I'm, I'm going to say go read the Bible and stop doing that. Um, that's, I, I, I'm a pastor, not, not a psychologist, okay? Um, but I don't go counsel women alone. And people say, ah, oh, well, last church I went to, the pastor did it. And yeah, he's an idiot. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. That's dangerous. Getting alone and making an emotional connection. She says all her problems and then I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. You've got to guard yourself and avoid time alone with the wrong people. We have plenty of women here who are spirit-filled, love the Lord, are serving the Lord. They can help you and they can understand what you're going through and your plight. I don't know what a woman goes through. I don't like Pride and Prejudice. I don't like Jane Airy and dances or plays. I'm not into all of it. I don't know, you know? Send your husband to me. I'll talk to him. I'll talk to both y'all, but... Women. But I say that laughing, but you've got you to protect yourself. And we at this church operate in great levels of integrity and want to make sure that we continue to do that on all levels. Um, I don't suggest you flirting through text or Facebook. Um, if your job calls you to be with clients of the opposite sex, you need to let your, your, your spouse know, I'll be meeting with so-and-so at this time. We'll be in an open place. And then you tell the Lord, God, I'm going to keep this professional. I, I have a friend um, who taught at our marriage, um, our, our Valentine's dinner, named Brett Cooper. And Brett um, would always do this. He would say when he sat with a woman,
woman and he had to meet with her and he'd meet out in the open. He'd say, I want to tell you how much I love my wife and I honor her. And in this relationship that I'm helping you in ministry, it will never cross the line. I want you to know that. That's, that's too much. That's crazy. That's integrity. And um, you can go ahead and not do it and see what happens, but avoid time along with the wrong people. Let me tell you something. Private conversations in private places can turn into dark situations. And mold grows in the dark. Be very careful um, who you're along with. And finally, the last point is this. Guard your eyes, guard your mind, and guard your heart. Guard your eyes, guard your mind, and guard your heart. Call this the, the Gigo Principle. You probably all have one of these. If you don't, God bless you. I'm so proud because I wish I didn't. Um, it's a laptop. It's called the Gigo Principle. And guarding your mind and your heart. If your laptop is full of viruses, it's because you let it on there. That laptop didn't wake up middle night and go, you know, go getting viruses. You know, it didn't download stuff. You did it. What you put into this is what you're going to get out of this. You realize that? Same thing with your mind. Your mind's like, just like a laptop. Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in there, and you've got to guard your mind and guard your heart from things that you know that could hurt you. I don't know what those things are for you. I know what they are for me. And the Bible says, Job said this, I have made a covenant with my eyes. I've made a covenant with my eyes to guard what comes in. Let me just close with this here. No one ever failed morally by saying, you know what? It all started the day I created moral margin. Nobody ever says, Pastor Kevin, I created moral margin. I put distance between me and temptation and I fail. Nobody ever says that, do they? But they do say it all happened the day that I let my guard down and I closened the distance between me and temptation. Uh, you got to realize something here. Up to 65% of men up to 55% of all will commit adultery by the age of 40. That's our country. That means 80% of marriages in America will be affected by this. It's not God's plan. It's not God's will. I want my wife to trust me. I want her heart to fully trust me, to fully believe in me, to never worry, to never have doubts. And, and I believe that's the greatest gift a husband can give his wife is to know that. And that's why I share these things with you today because I want our marriages to be blessed in here. Singles, I want you to be ready for who God has for you. See, God, God has a, a plan for you. And you've got to be ready for that. And the, let me close with the scripture in Romans 6. Verse 12 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Today, I want you to understand something. If you have been affected by sexual morality, maybe you failed yourself. There's healing and there's restoration in the hands of God. If you go through the, the process, you say, God, forgive me and cleanse me. And you go through. God can heal. This is not a message of condemnation. I want to help those who haven't. I want to help those who have. 
And God wants to restore some folks today and speak to you. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes and hear as we close today.